Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Authentic series, which walks through the book of James, discovering how we can be a growing and maturing Christian. We hope this message will be an encouragement to you, and we'd love to hear how God used it in your life. Let's go tonight to James chapter number four. James chapter four tonight. James chapter 4, and we have been uh, going through this lesson or this series, Authentic Christianity or Real Christianity. It's been, uh, been some time, actually, been about a month since we've been in the series, just with all of the different events and things going on. And so we haven't been in it for a while. Actually, the last, uh, I think the last week of March is the last message we had in our series. But we've learned a, a lot of things. We've learned about grace and humility. We've learned about pride versus humility. We've learned um, about wisdom and understanding that if we lack wisdom, we can simply go to the Lord and he promises to instill or bestow wisdom into our lives. Uh, We learned about words. We've learned about how we speak to people. We've learned about relationships with people and treating uh, certain people certain ways because of what they look like or how they act and having that uh, um, really those isms that we looked through in that message. And tonight we're going to come really to just another lesson from Pastor James. Now, if you remember the book of James, I learned a number of things about uh, the book of James many years ago as I studied through this. But I love the book because it's written from a pastor to people trying to help them because he knew they were going through trials. And uh, it's not a, you know, the old adage, it's not a matter of when trials are, or if trials will come, but when they come. We all know that trials will come in our life. And of course, the believers that James is writing to, he wrote to them desiring to help them be authentic, even in the midst of crazy trials. And you and I, we have trials that we sometimes think are overwhelming, uh, but our trials, really, they pale in comparison to what these first century Christians were going through. Uh, You think about losing your home or losing your family or losing uh, uh, your job just simply because of being a follower of Jesus, being ostracized from a community. I mean, so much was taking place in the lives of these believers. And James really just has this desire to write to them, to encourage them, to help them. And I'm thankful that here, even 2,000 years later, we can receive encouragement and we can receive instruction from the same letter that James wrote to these early believers. As we come back into our study tonight, just want to ask you if you can remember during your younger years, uh, if you were, um, you probably had these type of friends, but did you ever have friends or maybe teens at school that you went to or kids in grade school and they had their whole life planned out? You remember those people? I remember those, uh, that one teen girl in the youth department or at school, high school, and she had her entire life planned out. Even though she didn't have a boyfriend at the time, she had her marriage planned out. She knew that she was going to uh, get married, and she had the, the colors of the wedding planned out. She had the cake planned out. She had the location planned, even though she didn't have a boyfriend at the time, and she was only 15. She had this in her mind. This is what I am going to do. This is sometimes who I'm going to marry. Uh, oftentimes, they would have names of all of their kids picked out. I remember those girls in high school, those uh, girls that I were around. Maybe you remember the one guy that you knew that he was dead set, I am going to play professional ball. 
whether, whether it's baseball or football or basketball. And he had this mind, his mind made up, not in a goal, but like, no, 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 no. My life is planned out. I'm going to play for this team. I'm going to play this position. I'm going to get paid this much. And I remember those kids from even sixth grade. I remember a young man, his name was Mitch and Mitch's dad was a great golfer. And Mitch was going to play professional basketball or professional golf. He just had it in his mind. That's my life. If, if anything else happens, then I will not be a success because it's not according to my plan. Whatever it is, we all know people who've had their life just planned out. Maybe it's someone at work. And tonight I want us to realize that we can all, we can do that as well, and we do it to a fault. Because regardless of whether or not we admit it, every one of us, we have an approach to life. How do we approach the days before us? Some of us, we are like that eager teenager who has their wedding planned out. We've already got next year planned out and two years from now and three years from now. And we approach life with our plans rather than a surrendered plan to the Lord. As we come to our next passage in the book of James, we hear from Pastor James, as he speaks into the life of his reader to help them and to help us understand that life is too short for you and I to try to use it and find fulfillment in and of ourselves. Instead, we should have a desire to hold our plans loosely, recognizing that God and giving God the freedom to change plans as, he's, as he desires. And so I want you to notice our passage tonight, James chapter four, and we're gonna read from verse 13 all the way down through verse number 17, James chapter four, we read these words. James says this, go to now ye that say today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For for that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boastings, and all such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. In this passage, James writes about two approaches to life. There's the boastful approach, and then there's what we're going to call tonight the biblical approach or the surrendered approach. And you and I, every day, we approach our days with one of these two things. And I hope tonight that we'd be challenged after the message really just to say, God, I want you to direct my decisions. I want you to lead my life. I don't want to be in control of it. I want to be surrendered to you because it is then and only then, it's only when he has the steering wheel, it's only when he has the reins that we can find real fulfillment in life and that we can find the completion and the satisfaction in our heart that God desires for us to have because really life is too short for us to get it all figured out before our time is up. Instead, we can lean into him, lean into his wisdom and allow God to give us the desires of our heart and to work to fulfill our lives. And tonight, that's what we're going to look. So we'll talk about our approach to living tonight. Let's pray and ask God to help us with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Would you just take a minute and just surrender in these next few minutes? Would you surrender to the Lord?
God, I surrender my mind to you tonight. And I'm asking you to speak to me tonight. And then make the commitment that if he does speak to you, that you're going to listen to him tonight. Dear Lord, we just want to come before you and thank you for your word. Thank you for how you how you use it to help us and to encourage and strengthen us. And so, Lord, we pray that you would bless your word tonight. I just surrender my mind and heart to you and my words to you. I pray that you'd speak through me tonight and to each of us. And Lord, in these next few minutes together, would you just give us the challenge to have a surrendered approach to living? And Lord, I thank you for, um, for what you're going to do. Thank you for the lesson we're going to learn. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. From this passage, I stated that we have two different approaches to life. And the first one is this. It's the boastful approach to life. The boastful approach to life. Look with me. Verse 13 and 14, James says this. Go to now. Just, I, want, I want to draw your attention to this. You that say today or tomorrow we will go into such and city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. He's saying, hey, there's a group of you that you have your entire life planned out. You've got every day planned out in the sense that you even know where you're going to go and do trade tomorrow. You know how much you're going to get. He's not, I want us to understand tonight as we look into this, James is not condemning planning in your life. All right, that would be contrary to scripture. The Bible has much to say about planning and about being a person who sets aside and saves money and plans for the family and different things like that. That's all biblical. Here's what James is saying. Hey, there's a group of you that you are setting all of your plans and you are giving God no freedom to work. You're setting all of your plans and you're giving God no freedom to work. And then he says that, you know not what shall be on the morrow for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. As James writes to this church family, he knows that there are those among them to whom he is writing, and they have these plans. They, they are confident in how their life is going to go, and he knows many of them are perhaps like the farmer in Luke chapter 12 that has everything planned out and the storehouses planned out, and there's a group of people who boast in knowing what they are going to do, never giving acknowledgement to God, and never seeking direction from God. It's interesting at this time in the Roman culture, now we know James is writing mostly to Jews, but they would know some of the Roman cultural customs. At this time in the Roman culture, there was a, a section, a sect of the culture that they judged your success by how well you could plan out your life and how much of that plan you succeeded at. And so if you had planned to get a certain job and get a certain amount and you had planned to have a, a certain amount of wives and children and all of these types of things, if you accomplished that in the 10 or 15 year goal that you marked, then you as a 40 year old man would be seen as a very wise, successful man within the community that you lived because 20 years ago, you laid out what you were gonna do and you did it. And James is writing knowing that that influence was in this culture and he writes to them, this is an error. This is a, a bad way to approach your life. You see, the boastful approach makes plans without giving God any freedom to move in and to move out of the plans. And here's what James writes to them. Here's the first error 
Verse number 14, you don't know what tomorrow holds. Hey, you're going through life with this boastful approach, boasting of what you are going to do and what you're going to accomplish, but you're not acquainted with tomorrow. You're not living in tomorrow. You haven't met yet. What is your life, he says to them. It is just that vapor, that, that steam off of the lid when you open the, the crock pot and you're cooking food. That steam that comes up and appears for a little time and then vanishes away. That's what James likens life to. And he tells them this is a boastful approach. In verse 16, he tells them this boasting, it's evil. Hey, I'm just going to be upfront with you. If you are making plans without the Lord and you're kind of boasting in what you're going to accomplish, James says to them, it's, it's evil. It's kind of like what Solomon said in Psalm chapter 27 and verse number one when he said, For bo- boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. The boaster's approach to life it is a selfish approach. The boastful approach to life says, I know what I'm going to do and how I'm going to do it. God, you better catch up to me. And if we're honest tonight, I think we can all have this approach to life. A boastful approach to life where we make plans with no thought of giving God the freedom to override our plans. We may not make them verbally in arrogance against the Lord, but we make our plans so tight that we don't give the Lord a chance for what maybe we would call God moments. For the Christian, I think it might look a little bit differently, especially on a a Sunday night crowd. I recognize that, man, this is the group that says, hey, we're, we're serious and we're all in on this. And this might be the group that would say, well, how, do, how can we be boastful in our plans? You know what we do? We, we don't give God access to change plans to just pass out a track or to witness to somebody when he asks us to. We get so, we get so consumed with going through our business and going through our day. And when the Lord, I know for me, there's been plenty of times I'll be pumping gas in a hurry. And I know the Lord's like, hey, that person right across, right across from you, literally, they're right there. Just strike up a conversation. Just try to, try to get a track to them. Just, and I, I know it's the Lord telling me that. And I'm thinking, but God, if they want to talk, I don't have time. And I rem- I've remembered in the past saying, but God, If they're really interested, I don't know if I have time to talk with them about you. And then then it kind of dawns on me. Really? You don't have the time to tell someone about the Lord? You know, sometimes our boastful approach happens in the day in and day out moments of life when we have the plan of how our day is going to go at the job. And on the job, we have this plan of I'm going to clock in and clock out and I'm going to, and God through the day gives us those Holy Spirit prompts in our life of, hey, I want you, would you do this, minister in this way to your boss? And you think, that guy? And I don't like them. And I know the staff, they go through that all the time with their boss, you know? Uh, But you know what? There's times in our life when we find ourselves, we find ourselves writing in red on the, on the handout of life, on the homework of life, and we're kind of writing over God's plan. We write it in our handwriting, and then we kind of 
have the mindset of, hey, God, is this good with you? Okay, thanks. <laughs> Rather than the mindset of, hey, God, why don't, why don't you write the plans today? God, here's, I, I gotta get up today and I gotta go to work. But Lord, here's what I'm gonna ask you. Would you help me to be sensitive to your spirit? Would you help me to be sensitive to your leading today? God, would you help me to be sensitive with my family and with your spirit and how I'm supposed to communicate with them or invest in them today? And having this mindset that says, God, I'm going to allow you to work. Instead, we map out our decisions and check with the Lord to tell him that he needs to be on board with our decisions. This is the boasters or the boastful approach to life. But in our passage, we see secondly tonight what we call the biblical approach to life. Notice verse number 15. James says this, for that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. James is writing to them and that phrase, for that ye ought to say, it means here's the contrary statement. Here's the, here's the contradicting statement and what you should be saying. You should be saying, if the Lord has it in his mind, then here's what I'm going to accomplish. I love how one man put it about verse number 15. He said, this statement should not just be the statement of a believer's lips, but it should be the constant attitude of the heart. A heart that says, God, what's your will in today? You know, Jesus had this mind when he walked on the earth, when he ministered. The mind of Christ, John chapter four and verse number 34, him speaking to his disciples who were there while the woman at the well had gone back into the city. And Jesus says to them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. My purpose, the, the satisfaction, the purpose, the goal of Jesus Christ was to accomplish the plan of God. And he, he uh, um, uh showed that surrender to the Lord every single day as he walked among us. And this should be the believer's approach to life or the mature Christian's approach to life, simply saying, Lord, I wanna make plans, but I want you at the center of them. And I give you permission to change my plans. The believer's approach says, Lord, direct me. The believer's approach says, God, here's my day, I want you to show me what you want to do through the day. A lot of people get confused about this idea of God's plan in our life. It's, uh, people think that it's like the Lord plays hide and go seek with his will in our lives. And that if you're good enough, then I'll show you my plan for you. But that outlook's incorrect because compared with scripture, we already know what God's will is for us. We know that God has his general will for every single Christian. There's a number of things that the Bible teaches that is God's will for your life and my life every single day. You can mark it down. This is God's plan for you and I as a believer. What is his plan? Well, God wants us to be surrendered. Every day, God wants you and I to be surrendered to him. Romans chapter 12, Paul says, I beseech you or I beg you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Hey, present yourself just saying, God, I surrender to you today. My words, my thoughts, my actions, Lord, your plan today for me is to be surrendered. So I love the verse in 2 Corinthians 8, 5, and we, we talk about it every time we mention giving. But the believers, 
when Paul was writing to the believers at Corinth, he referenced the believers in Macedonia, and he said this. He said, this they did, not as we hope, but they first gave of their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. You know what Paul was writing? He was saying, hey, the believers in Macedonia, church at Corinth, they got it. God's will for you is to be surrendered. You know, a biblical approach to life is God. Here's the plans of my day, but I surrender them to you. God, if you want me to talk to somebody about you today, show me. God, if you want me to minister to my family in a different way today, show me. It's that area of being surrendered. What else is God's plan for your life? God's plan for your life and my life each and every day is that we'd be holy. Be holy or be separated, be set apart. First Peter chapter one and verse number 15, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, in all manner of lifestyle. Be holy, be separated, be set apart. First Thessalonians chapter four and verse number three, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. You know, God wants, God wants for his children to be separate, to be holy, set apart from this world and from the culture of this world. So for a believer's approach to life, a biblical approach to life should be, God, here's my plan. Here's what I have to do this week. But Lord, I surrender it to you. And God, as I go through executing the plan, as I go through being surrendered to you, Lord, I wanna be right with you. God, help me to be right with you through the day. God, show me any area of my life where sin has crept in. Show me any area of my life where you uh, uh, want me to change directions. God, show me. You see, many of us, our approach to the day is, is an approach of arrogance and thinking that we're always right with God. Now, we know, we know that positionally we are always right with God. Because of Jesus Christ that he looks down and, and God sees his son. But on a practical level, each and every day, you and I, we, we face sin. And you and I need to realize that the confession of, of asking God for forgiveness for sin in our life, it's not because God has not already forgiven us. It's us saying, God, I agree with you about sin in my life. And I don't want it to be in my life. And Lord, here's that thought I had. Here's that word I said. And to be surrendered to confess sin to him. Man, this is God's will for us that we would approach the day in such a way that we say, God, here's my plans, but I surrender them to you. And as I go through my day, Lord, would you help me to be right with you? Help me to be holy. God's plan for us, God's will for your life and my life every day is that we'd be surrendered, that we'd be holy. Notice also today that tonight that God's will for your life is that you and I would be thankful. That you and I'd be thankful. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 18, in everything give thanks for because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. 1 Timothy 6, chapter 6, verse number 8, having food and raiment, let us, there, let us be there with content, having a, a spirit of contentment, a spirit of thanksgiving. You know, God's plan for your life and my life is that we'd be thankful and content with whatever takes place. Now, that's a hard one because, as I stated this morning, when plans don't go my way, Thanksgiving is not the first thing that comes to my mind. 
When plans don't go my way, thanksgiving is not the first thing that comes across uh, as the desire of my heart. And usually it's frustration. Why didn't that happen the way I thought it should? Why didn't that go the way I think it should? But you know what? God's will for you and I is that we would approach the day, not in the boastful way of God, here's the plan I have and you better not mess things up. We should approach the day, God, here's the plans I have, but I hold them loosely. I'm surrendered. I wanna be right with you today. And God, no matter what takes place, would you help me to have a heart of thanksgiving? God, would you help me to be thankful today for whatever happens? God, help me to have a spirit that says I'm thankful. Fourth, I believe God's will for your life each and every day is that you and I would be spirit-filled. Now, this kind of goes hand-in-hand with walking surrendered, but being surrendered is the open part. It's me being open to the Lord. Being spirit-filled is me following after the Lord. Galatians chapter five and verse number 16, this I say then, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. 2 Timothy 1, 7, God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power of love and of a sound mind. You know what God wants? God wants you and I that we would walk in the spirit. The phrase walking in the spirit, it has to do with pursuing or being led by the spirit. As, as the spirit leads, we pursue. As the spirit directs, we follow. And God's want, God wants you and I to allow his spirit to lead our directions and our decisions in the day. And so as we go through the day, the, the biblical mindset says, God, I'm making plans, but I'm surrendered to you. I wanna be right with you. Help me to be thankful for whatever happens. And God, help me to be sensitive to your spirit. Help me to know the, the leadings of your spirit. Help me to know those uh, Holy Spirit prompts like I mentioned this morning. God, help me to be led by the spirit of God. What's God's will for us? Well, God's will is that we'd be surrendered, holy, thankful, spirit-filled. I believe it's God's will that you and I would be in his word. I believe it's God's will that one of the best ways to find out God's plan for me today is to, to get in his word today. There's some in here, maybe you do your devotions at night, some in here do that. I think one of the best times to do it is in the morning. I used to not be that way because I hate mornings. Literally, I still hate mornings. But I know, and I'm actually looking forward to the summer because I love, I love being able to get up and, and go out on our porch and sit in the sun and just listen to my Bible and, and read my Bible and allow God to speak to me. Do you know what it does? Do you know what it does to the boastful approach to the day? It kind of pushes that boastful approach to the side because you're just meeting with the Lord first thing in the day and saying, God, I'm giving you the first moment of the day. Center my heart on you. And you know what God does? He uses that moment to build a day that he plans out and you and I can pillow our head at night because we've been surrendered, holy, thankful and spirit-filled because we spent time with him in that morning, time with him in the word. We can pillow our head that night saying, man, God, today was a really good day. Not because everything went my way. No, God, today was a good day because you let it. I don't know about you, but any day that God leads is a good day. It doesn't mean it has to go my way. It doesn't mean that everything has to be accomplished that I thought should be accomplished that day. No, a good day is when I can pillow in my head and just say, Lord, I really believe that I followed and I pursued you today. God, thank you for leading me. Help me to do it tomorrow. 
Psalm 119, that word, that verse, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Man, God's word is really what changes the life of a believer. There are a lot of passages that give us things that are involved in God's plan for each of our lives. One of those passages is Colossians chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 5 and 6. You can go to Galatians and really Galatians chapter 5 and 6. And these are our passages where it's lined out. 1 Peter chapter uh, 2 and 3, passages where it's lined out. Hey, here is God's plan for your life. You know, the fact is the word of God has given us a lot of instruction on knowing and discerning what God, what we often refer to as the general will of God. And our problem often comes when we're trying to understand maybe God's specific will for our life. Because in a, it's easy to get up on a Sunday night and say, all right, tomorrow be surrendered. But what does that look like when you put shoes on on Monday? What's it look like when you, to be spirit-filled on Tuesday? Well, I think all of that really is a, it's an individual decision, but it's all born out of our own personal walk with the Lord. But I think all of it is going to streamline back to this idea of being holy and being right with the Lord and understanding that if I make my plans, I have to hold my plans loosely. Maybe you, uh, I grew up there in, in Colorado, and I remember we used to go, they call it Spelunkin or Spelunkin. How many know what that is? All right, Spelunkin is where you go and you find a bunch of, or Spelunkin, whatever you want to call it, where you go and you find caves and you just start wandering through caves in the mountains. And we used to do that when we were kids and when I was a preteen, when Jim, Zeke married Dawn, Jim would come to Colorado and we'd go and we'd drive Jeeps up in the mountains with some of his friends and just go down these caves. But then you can also go on a guided tour of a cavern or a cave. How many of you have ever been on a guided tour of a cavern or a cave? You know what? Usually with those guided tours, if you've ever been on that, if you go to these, you'll start in one spot, the opening, and it's real light and bright right there. And as you make your way in, the light begins to dissipate and leave, and it gets darker and darker and darker until you finally get into the depths of that cavern or that cave, and you're walking, and you have no idea what's in front of you. You have no idea what's behind you. Most of those, all you know is there's a lead rope that either the guide is holding, holding or it's attached to the wall. But in every tour that I've been on, and it's been years since I've been on one of these, before you go, you'll hear five simple words from the person leading the tour. Five words that they tell you about your tour. And here's what they are. Stay close to your guide. If you don't want to get lost, if you want to make it back alive, stay close to your guide. And then they'll say, keep holding the rope. Keep following my light. You know what some believers we need to do? As a Christian, we need to recognize that as I make plans in my life, I will find fulfillment and I will find the satisfaction of my heart that God desires for me to have if I would stay close to my guide, if I would keep holding on to the rope that he's extended to me. Because all too often, 
All too often, we just make plans and we hope God catches up to us. I like how one man said, what one man said about the plan of God or the will of God. He said this, God does not reveal his will to the curious or the careless, but to those who are ready and willing to obey him. Man, thinking about the specific will of the day. I love that quote. You know what God's looking for? He says, I'm looking for people who are ready to just pursue me. When we're close to the guide, we are going to be ready and willing to obey him. And that brings us to that very last verse, which is verse number 17. When James writes this, therefore, with all of this in mind, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Now this verse, it can be taken as many directions as there are people. Anybody could take this. I've heard people quote this verse and just run with it on things that I looked back and thought, where do they get that? But in the context of the book of James, here's what James is saying. If you know what God wants, follow him. In the context of the day, hey, those of you that are making plans, you're making your own plans and hoping the Lord catches up. Hey, believer, you know that's not the right approach to the day. Now, what is your life? It's just a vapor. You're trying to find fulfillment and you're trying to find life satisfaction in in your plans and you're not gonna get there. And so what's James say? Hey, you know, if you know what the Lord is leading, follow him. Him that knoweth to do good, to do the good that I'm writing about, which is surrendering your day to him, to do the good that I'm writing about, which is recognizing that life is short and so he can steward it better than I can can lead it. He can lead it better than I can lead it. James writes, if you know this, then do it. I don't know about you, but that's a convicting thought because in my life, there have been plenty of times where I knew what the Lord wanted me to do and I was resistant of it. And I I would hope and I would pray that we would have the mindset tonight of God, I don't want, I don't wanna know what you want and do something different. I wanna know what you want and I wanna be willing to pursue you and follow you, even if it goes against the plans that I've made. And so tonight I wanna ask you this question, what will your approach be this week? What's your approach gonna be to life this week? The verse that life is a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Boy, I think we see that. The more you age, the more you see that verse to be true. Isn't that interesting? And when you're, a, you know, for the teenagers in here, they hear that phrase, the life is a vapor and appeareth for a little time and vanisheth away. And teenagers and young people think, man, yeah, it probably is, but I'll learn that down the road. <laughs> But those that are in their 30s and 40s, they're kind of catching it. Those that are in their 60s, 70s, and 80s are saying, oh, it's true. Life comes and it's gone. And you know what we try to do? We try to take our vapor, that little vapor that we call life, and we try to 
we try to finagle it and try to make things go our way so that at the end of our vapor, we find happiness. Because then we can look back and say, well, my life was really good because it went according to my plan. And I think the, the, maybe, maybe one of the things in, in the back of James's mind as he writes this is, hey, he is the one who holds the vapor. So if you wanna find real fulfillment, if you wanna find real success, if you wanna find real satisfaction, give him your vapor. Man, give him the stewardship of that vapor. Give him the stewardship of this thing that we call life because life is just a vapor. And so I can really try to plan it out and find fulfillment and purpose and satisfaction by accomplishing my goals and my plans or or I can give God the steering wheel. I can plan and give God permission to direct my steps through his word to help me to be surrendered to his spirit, making his goals my goals, his purposes my purposes. So tonight, really, the decision I hope that every one of us would make and that I'm even asking the Lord to help me to make every day is just simply the thought of, God, will you help me steward my vapor according to your will? God, would you help me to steward my life according to your will? Not mine, not my plans, but yours. God, here's my day. Here's what I have going on this week. I mean, right here, uh, what are we, April 24th? I know, I know my plans for the week and some things I've got scheduled, but I hope that I would be able to go into this week and say, God, here's my plans. I'm holding them loosely. Would you help me steward it? Because it is then and only then that we can really find the fulfillment of God as we hold those plans loosely and stay surrendered to him, allowing his spirit and his word to lead the decisions and the directions of our life. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.